So if you don't know who Dr. Mark Anderson is, uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's preached at this church before, although the context and timing was a little bit different. Uh, That was right in the heat of COVID. Um, But Dr. Mark Anderson has served in family ministries both in the U.S. and overseas for over two decades and has encouraged, equipped, and empowered ministries from around the world. He is an ordained minister with degrees in biblical and theological studies and holds a doctorate of intercultural studies, which is a really fancy word to say that Mark really cares about people on a global scale. He really cares about helping those people engage in the gospel. His dissertation was entitled, Interconnected Youth Ministries, What Can North American Youth Ministries Learn from Cultural Value Orientations of the Non-Western World? And Mark has spent many of his years with his family, loving and empowering leaders all around the world for the gospel. It's in fact how I got to know Mark. Um, Him and I both worked at uh, the same job, although I was on my way out as Mark was on his his way in. Uh, But very quickly, Dr. Mark and I uh, became friends, and we've stayed in touch through the years. And I'm really grateful that even though he now lives in a different state, that he makes it a point to come out here to Colorado from time to time to visit with us. I'm very pleased that he is speaking for us today because I know that God has put a powerful word on his heart for us to hear. So at this time, I'd like for you guys to welcome Dr. Mark Anderson for us. Uh, If you would, Mark, please come on up. Brother, it's a habit of ours to pray before the message, so if you would, I'd like to maintain that honor and pray for you and pray for this time. So if you guys would, join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for just being able to be the church gathered today, that we gather under one common mission, Lord, to know you, to love you, to be your people. Father, we thank you for that purpose that you give us. We thank you for the grace, for the forgiveness, and for the goodness that you pour out onto us daily. Lord, I pray for this message that Dr. Mark Anderson is giving to us today. And I pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear the words that you are speaking and eyes to see the things that you are doing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Um, I'm staying um, at the Santiago's house and um, woke up this morning. I saw Pastor Kevin. I thought, we're twinning today. We've got blue shirts on. Our pants are similar in color. We've got brown shoes. He's going to work on the haircut later, okay? So um, it's a good first start, Kevin. Um, It's exciting to be with you. Uh, Usually when I travel and meet with Christians around the U.S. and even the world, I always want to encourage them from the work of God and the word of God. Uh, Before I do that, though, let me introduce my family. They're uh, not with me, obviously. Uh, My wife is Kim. We just celebrated our 24th wedding anniversary. Praise God for grace that he's given to her for me. Our son Jonathan is uh, 12 and a half, going on 20 and a half, and um, very opinionated and a wonderful young man. Uh, Our family just returned from an overseas missions trip, and so um, 
Kim is just getting over jet lag and then preparing Jonathan for school. Um, I hopped in the car and drove a thousand miles to Denver. And so I'll have meetings this week with our donors, our partners and friends. Um, And I was delighted to, uh, and I am delighted to be here this morning. I lead a ministry called the Institute for Youth Studies, IYS, Institute for Youth Studies. And we are forwarding God's grace, forwarding grace by encouraging, equipping, and empowering global youth ministers. Sometimes I tell people I work with global youth ministers, and they say, what about America? And I say, well, America's in the globe, okay? And so a U.S. and international youth leaders around the world. I want to just share some ministry updates with you. Again, this is the work of the Lord through our small organization. Uh, one of the things we do is we consult to inspire. Consult to inspire. Uh, one of our key uh, clients or partners we work with, uh, some of you might remember this from when I was here a year or two ago. Uh, They are located in the country of Zambia, and it's a smaller nation in Africa, and many of the young ladies cannot afford sanitary pads, and so uh, these teenage girls will miss school uh, four or five days during their monthly cycle, and you can imagine, after a while, they might fall behind and then drop out, and unfortunately, many of them become teenage mothers, often not of their own choosing. And so uh, David, our client, said, hey, we want to do something about this. We want the gospel to be whole life. We want to connect with them on a spiritual level, but also on a physical and practical level. Could you help us start a menstrual hygiene program? Hmm, I think we can help you with that. And so we've helped them launch High Hopes. High Hopes is all about hygiene and hopes. And they bring immediate hope through toiletries and training. Um, They make cloth, reusable sanitary pads. We have actually some of their most recent versions I brought today. We've seen how they've improved their methodology. We've helped raise funds for sewing machines. Uh, They have an organization in England that's about to ship them six new sewing machines. And in fact, their ministry is growing. They have to set up new offices and new operations. But they share immediate hope through toiletries. If they have the funds, they'll even buy razors for the boys and uh, talk to them about hygiene and sexual purity and God's plan for their life. Uh, They talk to them about lasting hope and that their identity is found in Christ, not their circumstances. And they talk to them about the eternal hope found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, already just this year, uh, there are some photos on the screen. They've had a couple outreaches. 425 girls received toiletries and training, 250 boys as well. Almost 1,200 have heard about lasting hope. Their identity is found in Christ. And 243, almost 250 have trusted in Jesus Christ and are now connected in communities. Uh, They partner with churches to set up Bible clubs in these schools. They have another outreach coming up in September and then October, and we are coaching and working with them through their plan for the year. The biggest thing that this uh, ministry is doing that we're helping them with is launching a Hope Hub. If you imagine this is a youth center. Uh, Many of the young people in the capital of Lusaka um, don't have places to hang out. And so 15, 16-year-old teenagers, where do they go? Well, they go to the bar. And um, you can imagine that's not the best place for a young person to be. Friday, Saturday night, uh, especially with older men um, wanting to have their way. And so David says, we want a place for the young people to go. And we also want a place where we can train pastors and disciple youth. David's background is in counseling and crisis care. We want a place where we can provide pastoral care and counseling for young people. We want a place where we can bring church leaders together from across this area to talk about solutions 
for youth knowing Christ. So we call it the Hope Hub. And we need a part of this facility to be our sewing operations because soon we'll have nine or ten sewing machines and we don't have space currently. And for about $4,000, they're believing God that they can set that operation up and have resources sustain it and keep it going for a while. And we're helping them with that. So it's a bold vision. We're excited to be a part of it. Now we collaborate in hives. I have this idea. Bees come together, they work together, and they make something sweet. And I think the church should do that. Amen? And so what we've done is we form some groups where we collaborate together for youth ministry resources and responses. One of the things we do in America, we work with denominational level youth directors. And um, here's a photo of me with a few of them enjoying ice cream. We had a summit, uh, a strategic planning summit, and we are working on a handbook actually to help youth leaders here in America. 20, 30 page, very practical how-to handbook. How to craft a Bible lesson. How to mobilize students to share the love of Christ in their community. How to communicate better with parents and church board and elders and youth and so forth. Uh, It's a real simple how-to resource with templates and tools. And a part of the Hive initiative, and you see it on the screen right now, is our brand new handbook on helping leaders collaborate and create their own tools. One of the things I've learned in about 25 years of student ministry, much of that has been overseas, is there's not enough resource, there's not enough trained youth leaders, and youth leaders often need help figuring out how to contextualize and do youth ministry in a way that's relevant for their church of 50 or 100 or 500. And so the Hive uh, resource is going to help them collaborate. We have a sample of it today in a lobby. Uh, It's a digital resource. We have a printed copy here. Just released that. We're praying that God would send us someone that can help us with search engine optimization and online marketing, or we'd like to get some awareness on that. And we create for impact. And so when leaders come together and we collaborate, we actually create content. And some months ago, we created a devotional for young people on the topic of reconciliation. I have a sample in the lobby if you'd like to see a printed copy. It's a digital download. I had a youth leader today, this morning, download it. I think he was from Texas. I always get a notice on my phone. And um, within... um, 10 days, we had this resource downloaded and accessed in 12 countries around the world. So looking at the book of Philemon, um, if you know the story, Philemon and Onesimus were at odds with each other, and God used Paul to help reconcile or restore the relationship. So this resource is helping them reconnect with their creator, God, through the work of Jesus Christ, reconnect and be restored in a broken relationship with a friend or a parent, and then to be a peacemaker and and help others who are at odds. It's a great tool, and I'm super excited. This morning, while Pastor Kevin and I are having coffee, someone downloaded it to use it. It was a youth leader. He's going to use it with his youth group. At least that's what we often hear. Here's a quote from one of the first downloads. This was a youth leader in the Philippines. And this person said, I know that it will be, referring to this tool, I know that it will be a great help to what I am dealing with right now. Last night, I prayed to God that he would set my heart free from my painful past. Truly, he answered my prayer. Thank you, God. It's not every day you get an impact statement like that. Amen? And so we love, um, we love celebrating God working in people's lives like that. Now, we uh, often don't create resources, but some of our clients, some of our partners need some new tools. And our biggest project we've worked on in the last eight months is the Advocate's Guidebook. Here's a picture on the screen. We've worked with an organization called Christian Endeavor. 
Some of you may have heard of them. They are the oldest youth ministry movement in America. Founded in 1881. Amazing. And uh, they exist in 50 nations around the world as an alliance or network of youth ministries, Bible-based. And they want to grow to 100 nations. And uh, so they uh, asked our ministry to help them develop a new handbook or workbook to help start and strengthen biblical-based youth ministries. And so we did research. I did research going back to 1882, 1890. Um, I think within 10 years of this movement starting, they went from one biblical-based youth group to... Oh, something like 700,000. They're big worldwide. Uh, their goals, they have 10,000 affiliate churches and have leaders showing youth ministry in 100 nations. Well, we created a workbook for that purpose, for them to align around biblical principles, for them to advance biblical practices, and for them to amplify passion, their passion for committed and engaged youth. And there's a hard copy in the lobby. Don't steal it. (laughs) But um, it was an exciting project. We're now in the process of reviewing some research and trying to improve it and then scale it. And so this organization said, hey, can you come and train it at our global convention? And they held a global convention just the other week in Germany near Frankfurt. So myself, Kim, and Jonathan flew over. Kim and Jonathan helped with a workshop. Kim did social research, and I trained youth leaders from uh, 13 countries and territories. Here's some quick snapshots of the students in the classroom. Uh, It was a wonderful event, leaders from all around the world, and took them through the whole uh, workbook. And uh, one of the joys I had is talking with some of the directors, the national leaders of these movements. And uh, here's a photo of a fellow from Ghana. He said, hey, we've already scheduled with our people. We're going to train this to 100 churches um, or 100 ministers uh, in November. So they're going to take the very material and then train. I think that's really good math. And that's the kind of tool that we like to create is tools that multiply and advance the kingdom of God. In India, they have 1,500 churches affiliated with this movement of youth ministry. And we're talking about a trainer of trainer program. What if we train 10 people and they each trained 100 churches to start and strengthen biblical-based youth ministries? And so it's been very exciting. That's fresh. Uh, Literally just got back a week ago. Just got over jet lag on Wednesday. Uh, Kim was struggling all week, though. Here's a quote from uh, our partner at uh, Christian Endeavor. This is what Dr. Dave Coriel said of our support. He said, I have had some excellent conversations with people that were touched and blessed by your sessions. Your teaching literally impacted the direction several Christian Endeavor leaders are now taking. Isn't that a great feedback? Praise God for that. Pray for us. Uh, We want to use this tool, uh, handbook for collaborating, the youth leader um, practical guide. We want to use all these tools that we make and all the partners that we work with to see youth know Jesus and make Jesus known. You can do three things. You can uh, pray uh, for us and with us. Uh, You can partner. We're always trusting God for uh, giving partners, volunteering partners, and you can pass it on. We're big believers. Let people know what God's doing. Uh, We have some brochures, prayer cards in in the lobby. If you're not digital and you don't know what that thing is, uh, it's going to take you to our website so you can sign up for our newsletter. And if if that's too much for you, see me, and we'll put you on our quarterly newsletter uh, list, okay? Thank you so much um, for, for, for believing us, for letting me share about the work of God, the very unique way that we do it. But God is working in and around the world through his church and through young people. Amen?
All right, uh, I'm going to be around for lunch today. Really, that's why I came. You know, a traveling evangelist needs free food. So that's why I'm here today. No, uh, but uh, I hope, hopefully we can chat and get to know each other more this afternoon. Our theme for the year, we have an annual theme. And, and part of what I'm doing this week, I'm going to have some time hiking up in the mountains, is praying and seeking the Lord for our new theme for the next year. Um, but our theme for this year has been Forward Grace forward grace. I don't know if you're like me, but has, a, has a, a, a verse or two or a passage from scripture ever caught your attention and you found yourself marinating on it, just soaking on it for weeks, months, years, maybe over the course of years, you keep coming back to it. I want to share with you from Ephesians 3, 2. It is a Bible verse that really has spoken to me for a couple of years now. And it's really shaped, reshaped the way I think about grace and about God and about who I am as a follower of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at one Bible verse today. I know that's absolutely crazy that a guest pastor is going to preach from one Bible verse. That's okay. I have 10 sermon points. No, I'm just kidding, I don't have three. Uh, In fact, uh, earlier, um, Ginger read it. The broader text here is Ephesians 3, 1 through 12. Let me give you some context. Paul writing to the early believers in Ephesus, uh, this area in the Mediterranean uh, region, uh, modern-day Greece. And it's really interesting to me because after he deals with his formal greeting and he begins to address some issues in the church, it's all the way in chapter 3 that it brings up this topic of grace. So I kind of find it interesting that it wasn't at the beginning of his letter, but it was at the middle of his letter. And there in chapter 3 are nuggets, gold. I mean, it is pure gold if you want to understand more about grace. And we're going to do that today. Let me read this verse, and then um, although we've prayed several times this morning, my tradition is that I would pray and invite the Holy Spirit to have his way. So let's look at this one verse. It's on the screen. Here I'm using English Standard Version. Um, and then we'll pray and we'll dig in. It says this, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to open our minds. That is, help us to focus. Transform our thinking. Lord, uh, open our hearts. Help us, Lord, to feel, to sense your presence and to know how to apply this truth. And Lord, give us boldness and faith to activate this truth in what we say and do. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. A few things I want to share with you from this passage. There are several things, but a few things I want to share with you about God's grace is that we can receive grace. Receive grace. Grace is ours to receive. That's the very first thing I want to share with you. Now, I've bolded some key words. I love studying the original text in the original language. Let's go back to that primary verse. Paul, St. Paul says this, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me. Given to me. Now, just a few verses later, verse 7 and 8, and that's going to be on the screen, Paul also said, of this gospel, of this good news, I was made a minister or a servant according to the gift of, 
of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, I think he said it with emphasis, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, the, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles, to preach to the nations, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let's just park here for a moment. Let me just share some quick observations on grace. We sang the song, It's Amazing. Actually, I wasn't familiar with that other hymn. It's a beautiful hymn. I've written down the name. I want to study that. A few things about grace. Yes, it is amazing, but why is it amazing? Grace is God's generous love, favor, and kindness. If you ever said, what is grace? It's God's love. It's his favor. It's his kindness. The Hebrew people would say chesed, his loving kindness, his unending love and care for us. And scripture here tells us that grace is a gift. It's a gift that's extended. And now that's maybe something you've never heard before. If you've been around the church, you've been a part of the family of God for a period of time, you've probably heard the the phrase, grace is unmerited favor. In my vernacular, the way I speak with my friends, I do not use the word unmerited. You know, Kevin, that was an unmerited uh, comment you made. It's an unearned, unearned favor, unearned love. But there's an aspect here in the Greek word that grace is extended. You see, grace is a gift. And we know that from earlier in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. Verse 8 tells us that grace is a gift from God, and we're saved by the grace of God so that none of us can boast. It's his work alone. Verse 10 says that we are God's masterpieces created anew in Christ for good works. That's not on your screen. But grace is God's generous love and favor, and grace is gifted to us. There's an interesting aspect to this word gift. It refers to benevolence. I don't know if you're like me. My quote-unquote love language is gift-giving. I like giving gifts. And, and, and just uh, often I'll look for sentimental gifts and, and things that have meaning. I love going to the antique shops. In fact, I have a fun story about that. Uh, just, just this week on my way out, I stopped at an antique shop. That's another story. But I always, I find gifts. Sometimes I buy a gift and I'll save it for a year or two for the right opportunity. I'm just praying that God would allow me to, to give that gift. And sometimes people are caught off guard. What? Why would you give me this gift? What do I owe you? I don't understand what's going on here because they view it through transaction. This word here is that God extends and gifts you grace because of his heart, because of his love, because of his passion for you. And there's nothing that you ever did or will do to earn his love. It's his benevolence, his charity, his compassion toward you and me. We don't have to earn it. It's a just because gift. Amen? And that grace is given. It's given here, Paul says. Grace is given. Now, I made a mistake this morning and I put my car keys in my pocket, which I never like having clunky things in my pocket when I'm preaching. It looks awkward. And let's say I want to give my keys to Kevin, right? I toss my keys to Kevin. Did I give Kevin 
Pastor Kevin, my keys. I did, but that's not the word here. The word here in the original language is, there are the car keys. That's the word here. Why is that important? God extending his grace to you and I, and even the most worst, wretched person on the planet, is purposeful and intentional. Do you understand that? God gifts us his grace, and he gives it to it. He puts it in the pit of our soul. There is no accident. It is purposeful. It is intentional. God is gracious. He knows what each and every one of us need. And on the cross of Calvary, he gifted, he gave us grace, and he continues every day as we trust in him and walk by faith. He gifts us. He puts within the pit of our soul, the palm of our hand, his grace. Amen? That's what Paul is saying here. I think that's so profound. It's so easy to miss in the English, which is often very plain and vanilla, but it is a generous love. It's gifted and it's given. And then the final thing I want to point to here as we receive grace is this understanding that grace is obtained and retained by the power and working of God. The word here working means the energy is given for a purpose. It's like the wind-up cars. You wind it up, it means that energy is put into something to take it from one place to the next. We cannot be who God wants us to be and go where God wants us to go and love and care for the people that we hate if we do not receive the grace of God that then gives us the energy, that gives us the ability, that then propels us to step out and say, I'm sorry, or I forgive you, or God himself loves you. As we receive grace, we are empowered by the Spirit of God to live as people of grace. Amen? Maybe a visual metaphor of this, it came to me some years ago, is that of a a pipe or practical, a garden hose. Grace, God's grace is always flowing. The faucet, the spigot is always on. You might feel like you're having a rough day or, man, where is God in the midst of this? Or I don't see God working here. That doesn't mean that God is not working. Romans 8 tells us he's working all things for good. Amen. The faucet of grace is always on. I find in my life I'm not always connected well to it. Now, I have two of these dollies or put your garden hose on. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a handle and it's got wheels and you can wheel it out of the garage. And it's got this cranking handle on the side. I loathe. I hate those things. Those trolleys or caddies or whatever they are. I have two of them at my house. One in the backyard, one in the front yard. And each of them have a hundred foot of hose. I don't have those cool flex hoses. Does anyone here have those really small, flexible, rubber-based hoses? I have a traditional hose, and so I suffer people. And I had my hose tucked in the garage all winter, and I pulled out those caddies or trolleys or whatever they're called. And I had previously um, bought a coupler or a connector to connect that trolley to the spigot at my house. And I went to hook it up, and, and the ball bearing fell out of that coupler. It broke. Now, your first thought is probably, Mark, you live in Chicago. You kept your garden hose out over the winter. It iced up, it froze, and the rubber seal probably broke. It was your fault. No, I had it stored inside, and so this coupler should have connected well to the spigot. 
it just broke. Maybe it was cheaply made. And as I reflected on that, yes, God's grace is always flowing, but there's times where I'm not aligned with him. Or there's things in my life maybe where I'm not connecting well. So how do I, how does Mark spend time reconnecting and receiving the grace of God? Well, sometimes I have to disconnect from things in my life that aren't important or things that are decisions. How I spend time or where I get my information or the things of which I let influence me and then I have to reconnect. How do I do that? Obviously, I pray. I have to spend time in solitude, just listening to the Lord. Again, this week as I hike, I'll be doing some of that. Silence. I'm a talker, so sometimes I just have to be quiet and listen. All praying and pondering. Pondering is another word for meditating. It's just letting the word of God marinate, thinking about it, not trying to activate it too quick, but just taking time to say, what does this truth mean for me? Fasting and taking time to remove something from my life so that I can refocus stronger on the Lord. Practicing spiritual disciplines. These are all ways that I find in my own life that help me reconnect and receive more of God's grace. Maybe you have your own ways if you're a follower of Christ. A couple application questions for you today. They're going to be on the screen here. What do you need the Holy Spirit's power to disconnect from? Is there a distraction? Is there a temptation? Is there a way in which you are spending your energy and your focus that is not filling you with truth and love and grace? And maybe you need to disconnect and reconnect to the Lord. Question two, what decision will help you better stay connected to the flow of grace? To the flow of grace. Grace is always flowing. Friends, fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12 tells us that. Grace is always flowing. God is always working. Just prayed for a friend yesterday who's going through a major physical battle and was reminded of Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Ever-present help in times of trouble. Yes, although we may not think, feel, or see God working, his grace, his love, his kindness is still flowing. And it's working even when we don't see it. Amen? Let's receive grace today. Point number two, truth number two about grace is that we are to steward grace. Steward grace. Now, my neighbor's name is Steward, and that's not the same here. This is the verb steward. And uh, some will translate it as administer, manager, overseer. Sometimes I use the word foreman or foreperson person overseeing a job site. And this is an old school word uh, referring to someone that was put in charge of an estate, someone that oversaw land. Uh, They tended to the field and the crops or uh, to the flock. And uh, an owner of that land would entrust this person, again, an administrator, a foreperson, uh, and a to care for the land. And there's three things you should know. There's many things. And I think there's some great lessons on stewardship. Three things about stewardship or stewarding or administrating grace. And let's look really at that original word. You have to um, guard grace. You have to grow grace and you have to give it away. And so an administrator or an overseer of a farm would have to guard. Guard from what? predators. 
a wild animal that would come and threaten the flock, maybe like a coyote coming toward calves, or maybe weeds or pestilence that were going to come and wipe out a crop, uh, or thieves that wanted to come in the land and steal some property or possession that you have. And so that person was in charge of guarding what was entrusted to them. I hope my financial advisor does the same thing and guards my retirement investment. Two, they were to grow the resource. We see that in the parable of the talents. Uh, Whether it was tending to the field and cultivating the land or it was uh, feeding and caring for the flock, they had to grow the resources and then they gave away. They paid the workmen their wage. They took of the harvest and they blessed the people. This is what a steward did. And I believe it's true for those of us that receive grace. We're called to steward grace. Guard it. What do you mean? Well, there's times when grace gets kinked up and tied up like a garden hose. There's times in our lives where we let things that are distracting or sinful behavior and thoughts kind of come in and prohibit us from sharing grace. We've got to be cautious of that. We've got to grow in grace and experience more of God's love and understand it more and let it transform our relationships. Let it transform our mind. Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be transformed by the renewing, right? We have to get in the word and let the word of God and the grace transform us. We have to grow and cultivate grace in our life. And we need to give it away. We need to give it away. We're not called to hoard grace. Here's my antique story. So I drove out here. It's about a thousand miles from my front door to, uh, I'd say, North Denver. And I stayed the night in Kearney, Nebraska. Anyone ever been there? Kearney? Kearney? Is it Kearney? It's Kearney, right? Kearney? All in favor of Kearney? Say, uh, no, okay. Um, so I, I stayed there. I've stayed there a few uh, times before. And um, I had gotten in early after a 10-hour drive, and I wanted to rest, and I looked up, uh, movies at the local, local theater, and I checked out reviews, and I thought, well, I don't want to see any of them. Um, and I saw a sign for an antique shop. Now, when I'm with Kim and Jonathan, they Kim tolerates me looking for antiques and collectibles. Jonathan absolutely loathes it. I'm son, son. There's great history here. Look how they used these tools back in the day. Look how that he doesn't care about any of that. So I thought, I'm 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 all alone, and I have all this time to go through the antiques and the collectibles. And so I noticed it was a half a mile from my hotel. After sitting in the car all day, I said, I'm going for a walk. I went in, and I'm going to tell you right away, I've been to some awesome antique shops. This was not. This was a complete letdown. But the lady there, Michelle, she greeted me with a big smile, welcomed me in. I thought, okay, that's good. I turned the corner. Actually, I asked Michelle, do you have any bow ties? I collect bow ties. I like bow ties, if you hadn't noticed. And she began looking around, and she found a bow tie. In fact, she found two bow ties. One was no good. The other one was really good, and it was vintage, maybe 1920s, 1930s. And I got it for $3. Friends, I'm telling you, that's hard. That's hard to get. Okay, hard to find a bow tie, hard to find a vintage bow tie, hard to get it for $3. I thought, you got to be kidding This was worth the trip. I looked around, didn't find anything really interesting. Uh, On my way to the register, I settled up with Michelle, and I started to leave, and I noticed a young girl, eight or nine years old, sitting there in the lobby area, reading a pocket Gideon's Bible, probably one of those New Testament and Psalms. 
and studying scripture, she had three quarters of a page filled with notes. I don't see that every day. Do you see that? I I don't know that I've ever seen that. In a public place, an eight or nine-year-old studying scripture and taking Advent notes. So I stopped and I said, um, I I, I forgot how I started the conversation, but I asked her, um, um, is that a part of a Sunday school class or a vacation Bible school? What's going on? Oh no, I just want to study and learn about Jesus. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that's amazing. And um, had this wonderful conversation and, um, and I said, oh, are you teaching a lesson? Are you going to share that? Because I thought, well, she's a mature young lady, and, um, and she's taking notes. Maybe she's going to give a Bible lesson at church. And she said, no, it's just for me. And I said, oh, you've got to share the gospel. You've got to share it. Grace has to be stewarded and given away. You've got to share it. And I encouraged her that way, and I left. I went back to my hotel, and I remembered that I had these small food stamps or vouchers from China. I used to serve in China, and I went to an antique shop in China, and I found these food rations for when times were difficult. You wanted to buy flour or oil or corn or whatever it is, you had to have a voucher to be able to buy it. And I found one with a couple young uh, shepherds that were female overseeing their sheep. And I said, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to give it to little Amelia, and it'll be our bookmark in her Bible. And I did. And I said, every time you read your Bible and you see your bookmark, pray for the good news to reach China because they have a gospel famine. They need the good news. And remember, we've got to share the good news. Friends, I want to tell you today, God's grace is always flowing and it's ours to receive. Don't let it get kinked up. Don't let it stop with you. You've got to let it flow through you and refresh you and then share it with others. I pray little Amelia will do that today as well. Steward grace, share grace. Don't let it get kinked up. Be generous in that. A couple uh, questions for you to apply. Today, are you kinked up or are you giving grace away? I want you to think about that. There's someone in your life that you know you you need to share Christ with in your attitude, your actions, maybe forgiving them, maybe expressing compassion toward them, maybe being generous and blessing them with time or money or a talent. Let the Spirit empower you to do that. How might you better use the expressions of grace to grow the kingdom of God? Grace comes through a variety of flavors, is what I say, and expressions. Use all that he's given you. Time, talents, and treasures is a phrase I heard earlier. Use all that he's given you. Look at this. Are you familiar with 1 Peter 4, 10? Uh, Peter, the apostle Peter, picked up on this same theme. I may have missed this earlier. Look at what Peter says. Did I miss it? Maybe it's coming up. No, it's coming up. Let me hold off on that. So, Steward Grace, finally, in our last point, as I begin to conclude our time together, I know we're getting hungry for lunch. We've got to uh, be aware that grace is ours to receive, steward it, and then forward it. I hook up my hose to the faucet, I undo those kinks, and I grab the handle, and I start spraying those rows of Sharon in the backyard. Those roses need that water. Our world needs us to forward grace. Amen? I want you to go back to the text because I believe in the text. Let's go back to chapter 3, verse 2. 
Here Paul says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. The Greek here is more specific. It was given to me toward you, for you. It was meant to be yours. I was just holding it for a season. And I'm to carry it and to give it to you. Here's 1 Peter 4.10. Peter picks up on this same concept. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Again, like that garden hose, we receive grace, we're refreshed by grace, and then we release it and give it to others. That's, that's the walk of faith, friends. Amen? And Peter here says, hey, whatever gifts you've been given, be a faithful, a trustworthy a trustable steward of God's grace. That means you not only guard it and you grow and cultivate it, but you have to give it away. We should never let the flow of God's grace, his truth, his love, his mercy, his kindness, his justice, stop with us. Stop with this church family. It should permeate every relationship. All around us, despite the rain you've had in July, all around us are people that are spiritually needing nourishment. Their souls are dry and brittle and they need us to show and share the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul was saying of the, all the grace that God's given him, the most important thing was to be a minister of the gospel, to share the expression of grace known as the good news, that God did create us to be with him. It was his plan. It was the blueprint before time was measured that we would be in a whole harmonious relationship with our creator, amen? And you and I know that our sin separates us from God just like my sin separates me from you. If I lie to you, we're not gonna have a good friendship. It's, it's a death of trust. And so sins can't be removed, they can't be erased, they can't be hidden under the rug by any good religious deeds. We can't earn it. But Christ sent Jesus, the incarnate, the in-flesh expression of grace, to bridge that gap. And by trust in him alone, by belief in him alone, by repentance, a changing of mind and saying, I believe we have new and eternal life. We have grace flowing in and cleaning out the gunk and junk in our lives, amen? So that we then can live a life of grace and forward it. Friends, if you're here today and you haven't received grace, true grace, and you've been focusing on works, that's not what it's about. It's about receiving his grace through the work of Christ and the cross and the empowerment of the spirit. Friends, steward grace. All around us, the enemy wants us to get caught up in our own bickering and arguing and our humanity, our flesh, our fallenness. But we have to walk by faith, not by sight. We've got to steward, guard, and grow and give it away. And I want to challenge you to forward grace, to begin to water your world. A couple application questions and then we'll pray. Today, whom do you need the Holy Spirit's power to show grace? This question, when I when I first thought of this, and as I pose it to you today, I want you to think specifically, who in your life is it very difficult for you to extend grace to? To forgive, to love, to be kind, to give a word of affirmation, to be honest in a business endeavor, to give them the benefit of a doubt, 
to actually have a gospel conversation and share with them about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Who is that person that's difficult? My hose is over here and that rose of Sharon is all the way on the other side of the yard. It's very difficult for me to get that hose unraveled and all the way over to those roses, but those roses need watering. Same thing is true if I fill up a can and I walk over. There has to be effort to go to the farthest part. Who in your life is the farthest or the hardest for you to love and forgive and be like Jesus? They need grace today. Who will you show and share the gospel with? When will you do it? Someone needs to hear the good news. The good news. We're going to pray and then we're going to celebrate Holy Communion. A reminder of grace. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. And that the faucet of grace is always flowing. Thank you, Lord, that it's ours to receive, to steward, and to forward. Lord, if there are relationships where we're kinked up and twisted up and we are not um, operating with an attitude and actions and words of grace, forgive us, Lord. Cleanse us. Show us how to undo that. Show us how to reconnect with you. And Lord, empower us by your spirit to forward that grace in what we say and do in a text message, in a social media post, in a coffee appointment, in the checkout while we're driving and the person next to us is really needing grace. God, empower us by your spirit to forward grace. And Lord, would you right now by your spirit put on our minds and hearts someone that needs to hear the gospel of salvation, the good news of grace available today. And God, help us to step out and share that grace with them. God, if there's anyone here today that has not received your grace, they have not trusted in you, and they have not been born again. They are spiritually dead. We ask that your spirit would birth faith within them, that you, Lord, would open their hearts and minds and they would receive that gift. We thank you, Lord, for that gift. God, working in through us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.